Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pony Express, the flagship podcast of the Post Rider Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Post Rider Editor-in-Chief, Mike Levito, and I'm joined this week by Post Rider contributor Lewis Ryan. Hi, Mike. Glad to be here. And making his Pony Express debut, <laughs> our other Post Rider contributor, Alex Hunter. Hey, everybody. Hey, Mike. Today we are gathered here um, solemnly and darkly like the movie we're about to talk about. Um, uh, the Batman, the new Batman movie. Uh, I, I just realized this uh, recent, like earlier today. It is the first like solo Batman movie, if you don't count Batman v Superman, since in like, you know, 10 years, which is kind of hard to yeah. really think about. The Batman, of course, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. And starring Robert Pattinson as Batman, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon, and on down the line, John Turturro, Peter Sarsgaard, Andy Serkis as Alfred, and Colin Farrell as the Penguin. So and and but you're missing somebody as well too. Who? John Turturro. I said John Turturro. Oh, okay. As, as, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I didn't mention that he was playing Carmine Falcone. But but Mike, you forgot to mention John Turturro. <laughs> <laughs> I love John Turturro. I would never forget John Turturro. So yeah, the Batman. I think we're just gonna jump right into it. Um, so I'll, I'll just like the, the Batman. Obviously, if if you've been kind of following along with the the sort of like rollout of this release, obviously the marketing, the trailers, all of that, very dark, very gritty, very. Some might even say emo. <laughs> um, you know, there's uh, Nirvana's something in the way plays a prominent role in the film soundtrack, <laughs> um, and we begin both with a brutal murder at the hands of the Riddler of Gotham's mayor, and then this very, um, what, I, what I really liked, this, this very, like, noirish um, voiceover introduction to Batman and his world, which I really enjoyed. But I'm, I'm curious, sort of, like, what your guys' impressions of this movie going in were, and kind of how the first, let's say, like, first 20 or so minutes, like, played out for you, and, and what kind of mood it set you yeah. in. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think on my end, I think that I try to prevent myself from looking at many like trailers, you know, any type of like promotional material outside of like obviously I'm going to see a YouTube ad, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But my first twenty minutes into the movie, I definitely felt I I feel like they're trying too hard at first, mm-hmm. like. Just being emo for the sake of being emo. Right. Um, you know, this is coming from a lifelong Batman fan, of course. You know, saw Batman in the movie. Or actually saw Batman, you know, VHS. And then, you know, obviously Batman Returns. All that stuff in the movies. But just seeing that, it definitely changed my mind after that first 20 minutes. After I bought into this vision. I mean, I, I really think that I agree with everybody. Like, I'll everybody's take of this is a Zodiac Killer movie mm-hmm. just based in the Batman universe. Even the edits of the opening scene of Paul Dano, you know, you know, going in and making that grisly matter. It's very horror movie psychological drama-ish. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, I'd seen the trailer when I, you know, you couldn't escape the trailer, especially if you go to the movies. Yeah. So I'd seen it. 
uh, yeah, I, I, it was just sort of like seeing the trailer for the first time. It was just like the thing of like, it's like, this is Batman, but this time it's dark and gritty. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's not really all that novel. But all right, so I, I was like, the more I saw the trailer, the less and less I felt like going to see it. Even though I did really like Matt Reeves' previous two movies and the Planet of the Apes franchise. Um, but I was, you know, um, once like the movie started, I was actually like, pretty much hooked right from the beginning because it has sort of this um uh what I, I like to refer to as an homage to francis ford coppola's the conversation where it's just like this guy you're watching a pov of just a, like a family through an apartment window and you sort of just start getting your bearings. so i was pretty much hooked from uh, that point on so i didn't really have to do a whole lot of coaxing and i really liked um uh, like mike said the way it establishes batman and the way when he finally emerges i liked robert pattinson has like this um what I'm calling is uh, Frankenstein's monster-esque performance when he just emerges out of the shadows like a lumbering <laughs> giant, which I thought was really interesting and um, something I hadn't really seen before um, in previous interpretations of the character. So I, I was I really dug uh, the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I think what, what no matter what I think you think of the quality of this movie per se, and I'll, I'll say right off the bat that I did enjoy it. I, I did enjoy it. Not that I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. That sounded weird when it came out of my mouth. But um, I, I think kind of whatever your opinion, it's like you have to at least give it credit for being, I think, a different kind of superhero movie in the sense that this is oh, not an action movie. Right? Yeah. Um, you you have it, to give him the, the props of going the complete opposite can direction as marvel you know going the dark and gritty route and doing something different off the beaten path yeah and 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 like it it kind of like issues the traditional beats or the beats that we've kind of been conditioned to expect from a marvel superhero movie right there 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 is a big action-packed climax but it's very different than say you know the avengers assemble scene in avengers endgame right and I feel like at this core, it's and what a lot of people have been saying is that oh, this is like this is the the detective movie, like you said, Alex. It's it's like Zodiac, right? You know, it's it's in many ways kind of a film noir, and um, yeah, like I said, at the very least, I enjoyed that they were exploring that side of it. I think it was an interesting way uh, to take the movie, even though that is bringing the character back to maybe its sort of more traditional roots. I mean, he did debut in Detective Comics after all, but I, I really in, in, enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, I think I think that aspect of, you know, pulling into the darker world and a more realistic world. I mean, we're seeing that change of we're seeing that kind of like stake in the ground that DC as a whole is making. The only way that they're going to beat the behemoth that is Marvel Comics, which I don't know if it's possible. Lewis is shaking his head like it's never going to be possible. <laughs> well, they, but, they just don't. They don't need to beat it. They just need yeah. to compete. Mm. Why? Why do you say just compete? Well, I mean, they're or, just. They're, <laughs> I don't want to get into the whole capitalist discussion, but it is just pretty much rooting <laughs> for which large corporation you want to have the most money, and you know, it doesn't really all yeah. matter all that much at the end of the day. I, Sorry, I, I didn't. That, I didn't mean to derail you there. <laughs> no, you're good. But I think that. Uh, I think that it's definitely a step in the right direction but there there are aspects of this movie that i think really work and then i think there's some aspects that just kind of needed to have some retuning by the sequel you know um one of the things that jumps out of my mind first is the opening fight scene um i know there might be like some people's like 
like their scene. Um, but I, I felt like the fight scene was kind of like lackluster. It was kind of like Batman was it wasn't as visceral, like especially from you know, coming from like me just watching Peacemaker and seeing how visceral those fights were. Like I expected it to be darker and a little bit better than what I've seen previously. I just didn't see that as far as like, and, and, and that's something that kind of takes you out the movie. But uh, you know, how did you guys feel about like the actual fight scenes um, and the action that accompanied the Batman? I, I, it was interesting. I, I feel like they handled a lot of the fight scenes, certainly the early one, in like kind of like an anticlimactic way, right? Mm-hmm. There weren't, outside of, like, his big reveals early on for, like, the action scenes, there aren't, like, a lot of dramatic musical moments. Um, And I I feel like that was, again, just trying to kind of ground it and make it a little bit more like a detective movie, right? He's, uh, I think it's kind of trying to wrestle with the reality that, you know, he isn't actually a super-powered person. He just has, like, resources and connections. So, in a way, like, (laughs) his bark sort of, like, um, the bat signal and like the feeling of fear that it fills in criminals, even that he's not around, like the fact that it just makes, you know, even people who are just like graffitiing the courthouse, like more nervous to walk around an alley is ultimately like the bigger effect he has than like his actual sort of like fists. Right. So yeah, it's like, if, if you're, if you want to watch this movie for its action, I feel like you're kind of going to be disappointed. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think as we've kind of already established, like that's not really, I don't think that's its uh, its mo. Yeah, I, I it, it was just something I, I like kind of I kind of saw that kind of brought me out because like even with uh, some of the action scenes of you know Dark Knight and all that stuff like I I felt it I felt it was real like I I, I thought of myself mm-hmm. like when I was watching it uh, Robert Pattinson Batman fights how I think justin bieber dances <laughs> and it's just like and it's just like one two one two one two right. you know it's just like kind of like that but i i agree though it's it's you know it's a it's a small slight and uh mm. you know but obviously we're we're here for more right so it's it's funny so you mentioned robert pattinson obviously playing the lead bruce wayne slash batman and i'm kind of curious about your guys's opinion on that casting and, and the eventual performance because my take is that I think he was a good Batman, but I don't think he was a very good Bruce Wayne. But I am curious to hear what you guys think about that. I mean, I I, I definitely think that I, I agree with that critique because, I mean, I think you know when you see a Batman or just people who played Batman, you know, slash Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne persona is supposed to be dashing. He's supposed to be this socialite, you know, this guy, and then behind the scenes, he's brooding Batman. And here you see Batman and Bruce Wayne as this, like, brooding emo kid. And it's it, it, it works in the greater scheme of the movie, but I don't know if it works as the Batman slash Bruce Wayne personas. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the... If you were to divide up his percentage of time as Batman to Bruce Wayne, I think he spends, like, a great majority of his time as Batman. Mm-hmm. So where I think it's, like... like Compared to all the other movies, I think he's probably in the Batman costume the most, other than probably the mm. Adam West movie. I'm going to have to double-check Oh, that. wow. Um, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, um, Zack Snyder did, like, an interview, like, a couple years ago, where it's like, you can't really have the characters, like, in costume, like, talking all that much, because it gets, like, it's, like, distracting or something. I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something like that, where it's, like, it's silly, 
when you have them in the costume for like long stretches of time. But I appreciate Robert Pattinson's commitment to just wearing the costume um, mm-hmm. to what seemed like 90% of the time for me. I thought it was, you know, a really brave choice because, you know, actors, um, you know, they're conscious about, you know, their face being seen. So I appreciated that he had no problem just staying in the in the bat suit for most of the movie. I thought that really added a lot to the performance and it really helped see that it's like, this is Batman. So I wasn't really, and it's not like the story was like super involved with like Bruce Wayne as like a component of it. So I wasn't like taken out of it too much. I just enjoyed seeing um, sort of a fully realized Batman on the screen. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And it like, cause I think about even like uh, the recent Spider-Man movies and I feel like especially Spider-Man No Way Home where I feel like, and I, this, I don't know if this is statistically correct, but I feel like we see Peter Parker with his mask off in the Spider-Man suit more than we see him with his mask on in the Spider-Man suit. And I feel like, and I, I, I think I could be wrong. I feel like there's some like compensation element to that where it's like, you know, I feel like, you know, the reason you don't see Robert Downey Jr. with the Iron Man mask on that much is because he gets paid less if it's on. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's something I heard. Um, mm. Wouldn't surprise me. But I, I, th- I agree with you, Lewis. It, 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 it commits to the bit of being a Batman movie, right? It's, it's not apologetic about it. And, you know, because I, I think you're right, right? This is not... It does kind of sort of dive deep a little bit into sort of the Wayne family's backstory and all of that. But the reason it's incorporated is not to really add this extra thread to the movie so much as it is to... It's just another thread in the greater... Uh, ball of yarn that is the movie's plot because it, it, it ties directly to the Riddler's motivations. Um, so I, I think that that's a good point. But yeah, Robert Pattinson, like, I don't know. He, he was just too, he was just too pale and depressed to be like millionaire playboy Bruce Wayne for me, at least. Yeah. And it's just like, even in like those scenes of like, I mean, I understand he's like, he's been recluse for whatever amount of time, but it's just like he comes out, he's not socializing with anybody, the the funeral scene. And it's just like, it. I, I think that he could maybe improve upon that, the sequel. You know, I think a lot of these things are fixable, you know? A lot of these things are fixable within the sequel, um, which probably won't be for a long time. But I do think this, this world that Matt Reeves created, it feels a lot of the source material is from like, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have ever read Batman Hush. It's like a graphic novel. The mm-hmm. one, the I, I forgot when it when it dropped. Uh, but I, it feels most like that. And I, and actually, a little Easter egg. A lot of the the writings that Riddler has, like on like to Batman, they have Hush on it. So I guess that's um. kind of like a you know yeah. But um, it's definitely in that vein and creating that really gothic environment. And also the fact that I I want to know. I think this was like the first Batman I've ever seen where they don't have the iconic scene of the pearls getting ripped from <laughs> Martha Wayne and Thomas Wayne getting shot in some random alley. I don't think they had a scene. I don't think they had that scene. So I, I think that's like a first in the Batman series. So that was, uh, that was cool not to see um, for like the 10th time. So, um, but Robert Pattinson has room to grow and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes. Um, yeah, with maybe it. maybe the next film will just be called Millionaire Playboy, and it'll have <laughs> all the scenes that you guys desperately want of just Bruce Wayne no. gallivanting about, pre- pretending to be a buffoon or something. I guess. But, but, well, but I want, but I want to see, I want to see that, I want to see as a Batman fan, I want to see a dichotomy of Bruce Wayne, Batman. 
it's 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 part of it's part of what draws me in as a Batman person. Like I like that dichotomy. You know, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be, you know, a la Christian Bale in Dark Knight, him jumping off of yachts, but just having a little bit more understanding his role within the greater Gotham society. Yeah, I, yes, I would agree. That, that so I think somebody pointed out that this is like the first Batman movie in a while where he doesn't attend a gala. It's like give us <laughs> give us one gala scene. It doesn't have to be that. Yeah, long. Give me one gala, yeah. And it give can be it can be crashed by the Riddler or something. That's fine, yeah. but you know. What, what did you guys? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, what do you guys think of the cast overall? I I mean I I outside of Robert Pattinson, I you know I thought it was pretty good casting overall. I think Paul Dano's very good at, at playing a, a creepy dude, and he's certainly creepy in this. <laughs> Just a regular redditor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Je- Jeffrey Wright is doing his career best as the no nonsense police commissioner, the police lieutenant, <laughs> yeah. who says no Batman. Uh, I don't think so. Yes, and he calls Batman man a lot. He's just like, come on, man. He's come on, like, man. Um, Zoe Kravitz. You know, I think she certainly looks the part, and you know, yeah. I, I think she does a good job. Um, I, I love John Turturro on pretty much everything he's in. And Colin Farrell, I, I think my favorite casting of all was Colin Farrell's The Penguin. I loved, oh, yeah. you know, I loved The Penguin as Tony Soprano. <laughs> I thought that was pretty inspired casting. Like, I, I didn't I didn't know Colin Farrell had that in him, honestly, you know? I, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. I had to double well, check. I was it, like... Colin Farrell was inside the Penguin. Well, yeah. He was inside him all along, <laughs> under all that makeup. I think the Riddler was played well. Um, it obviously reflected the times. You know, mm. if you see what happened towards the end of the movie and how he comes out, it's like obviously it's very you know reminiscent of you know what's going on right now. But I also I, I saw like a character drawing of his outfit previously. That's the only thing I saw of the Riddler. And I was like, this is, I don't know. Uh. And then seeing it in the movie, it just really, it really gets me. Like, as as the movie got along, his first, I really appreciated that version of Riddler, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would have liked to see a Riddler in the more traditional green uh, suit with the question marks and stuff. But, you know, when the movie, you know, builds its own universe where it, it didn't really matter all that much that he had its own design and it's funny you brought up hush earlier because i thought at some point that it was going to turn out that the riddler was actually the character of hush from the comics because it's like and then i it seemed like his mask looked a bit more like hushes you know bandages and stuff to me at least but the movie didn't uh, go down that path so uh bully on me for trying to outsmart (laughs) i well speaking of trying to outsmart the movie i thought because he was so fixated on the waynes I thought they were going to do something where he's like Thomas Wayne's illegitimate son or something. Like I thought that was yeah, like like Joker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say like they already did that with Joker. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought there was going to be something much darker when they show a picture of young Riddler as a choir boy. I was like, oh no, <laughs> they're about to go down some dark avenue here. But fortunately, they didn't. He just likes riddles. Yeah, he just likes riddles, and I I think that. You know, they give him that that aspect of, like, making this, like, a psychological crime drama. I think that that had that gave it meat, you know, that gave it depth. And, you know, just, like, even just, just like, the, 
the whole scene with uh, who who's the guy that played from the lawyer in Dopesick? Who's in as the DA? Peter Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard. Great casting. Great casting. And just like the whole scene with him and Riddler. Uh, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I like how even though they went darker with the Riddler, he still was kind of like delighted at his little riddles, right? Like, yeah. you know, he still had this kind of like lilt in his voice. And like there's that scene where um, he's narrating like the story of like the Waynes and the Arkhams. And he says something, he's talking about how he accuses Thomas Wayne of, like, putting a hit out on that journalist. And he goes, I, I can't do it. But he was like, he had him murdered. Like, you know, he does this sort of, like, little, like, trill <laughs> that I thought was, like, a really, like, nice nice touch and kind of, like, uh, you know, brings you back to, like, the zaniness of, like, Batman villains, basically. Sorry, you feel that, like, Riddler persona grow as the movie goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you see little bits of it, you know, as far as, uh, you know, him you know, saying little things that are, like, menacing and Zodiac killerish, But then you start to see, as Lewis said, like, you start to see that kind of zany style. You know, you you get to see that zaniness of him. And I, I feel like that was, like, a good combo. So, yeah, I, we, we've been talking a lot about uh, the casting um, and all of that. I guess, I guess we should talk, I guess, a little bit about the plot. I don't know. It, it's, all, it's, all, it, it's, a, it's such a long movie that I feel like it's kind of awkward <laughs> to walk through it kind of beat by beat. But essentially... As we kind of we mentioned already, Gotham's mayor is murdered. Um, the Riddler leaves these clues behind. Batman is following these clues step by step, which um, leads to, with him crossing paths of the Penguin and Carmine Falcone and Catwoman, and eventually kind of unveils this larger conspiracy about sort of corruption in Gotham City's government, and also the sort of like big climactic plot that. Um, the Riddler has in store for the newly elected mayor of Gotham City, Bella Real, who, if you notice, uses the font from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's campaign ads. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of like that's sort of like uh, I don't I don't know how you describe it, but it's got like the exclamation point yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did did we think this was sort of a a satisfying? yarn a satisfying story yeah i would say the the biggest strength of the film at least to me who this might not be popular in certain comic book movie circles but i like just seeing a nice big standalone movie you know mm. that has a beginning middle and end and it sort of transports you to another world and it has an engrossing plot and stuff so i would say you know the plot was definitely um well done. I, I was I was thinking as I was leaving. It's like this. This is a film that shows the benefits of having an effective screenplay. It's like just having you know a scene that drives you from scene to scene to scene. Um, I I thought it was uh, well done and it kept you going. And I honestly, it didn't really like this movie. Is people have noted the long runtime and I this movie just flies by. It's sort of like in that realm of like the good, the bad, and the ugly, where it's just like three hours that sort of flies by for the grand majority of the time. Yeah, I never, I, I didn't think about the length of the movie until like we got to the that kind of last act where I was like, all right, I'm getting a little bit, I'm getting a little bit tired. But I think for the most part, especially the how you mentioned how it led clue by clue, you know, him, you know, Batman really getting into his detective bag, you know, his detective roots, and I think that it it really was effective and uh, and I I think they they really crafted something that that's that was one of the strengths of this movie is that they crafted a great screenplay and it it showed 
you know, even even the way that, you know, they really give the characters flexibility to kind of, uh, you know, or the actors flexibility to kind of work in their roles, you know, like having this uh, Falcone character that John Turturro plays, you know, giving him the range to make it less Guido-ish and more <laughs> pool shark-ish, you know, kind of like a cool pool shark guy instead of like, you know, completely 180 from Colin Farrell's Penguin, you know, who is mm-hmm. that kind of Tony Soprano character. You know, they gave each character their own individual uh, stamp. And, like, most of the time, you know, in superhero movies, they do this with costumes and, you know, you know their weapons or their powers or whatever. But they do this with their their performances. This is what makes them, just their performances stand out as kind of, like, what makes them distinctive favorite character for each, you know, whatever you know, person that watches this. Like, you're going to have people that say, oh, the Riddler was my favorite character. You're going to see people that say Catwoman was my favorite character. You're going to see people that say, you know, um, you know, Jeffrey Wright was my favorite character. So Mr. Gordon, you know, I think they did a good job of crafting each one of those characters. Yeah. And making it, you know, similar to the plot. Yeah, I think, like, the word world building gets thrown around a lot in, like, IP stuff um and i feel like a lot of time it's kind of used as an excuse to like cover up for bad like screenwriting and plotting where it's like well there wasn't much of a story here but like they made a really cool world but i i think i i think this movie kind of does both where it obviously i think as you you both said it has a pretty crisp screenplay um it's paced very well it doesn't really drag despite its length i think that it does a good job of you know this isn't batman i mean it kind of is batman versus riddler but it isn't really it's not Batman versus Catwoman. It's not Batman versus the Penguin, right? It's just sort of a they create the world of Gotham very well, even though it's very explicitly based off of New York. But they 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 really create just kind of this world and this cast of characters in a way that like you would expect like you know a TV show to build its characters. I think. Um, I think that they have uh, they have that Batman show that's showing up on HBO Max, right? And I think that's that's the next step in the Batman universe. So I think that they're kind of setting it up for that. But also the fact that the plot of, you know, them having renewal funds and them, you know, like that's where the corruption is based around these renewal funds. I think that that was like a strong plot and made it very believable, you know? Lucy, you have something to say? Oh, no, I was just sort of building off what you two are saying in terms of the world building. I think this was the most evocative depiction of Gotham City as like a play since the original 1989 Batman film in terms of just like, you know, here's Gotham City and, you know, it's cool. Like the, the where they just, um, it's just like simple things where it, like it shows like it has sort of like the Times Square, but there's just like too many screens than <laughs> is at the actual Times Square. Reminded me of um, the Spike Jones film Her, mm-hmm. where it's like it's oh, Los yeah, Angeles yeah. in the future. And it's just like little things like Los Angeles is like way bigger and like the wide shots and like little things that they did. So, like, comparing this to, like, the Christopher Nolan trilogy, where Gotham City is pretty much just wherever city they were shooting that movie. Chicago. It's, like, it's just, <laughs> well, like, each each uh, movie was a different city. Um, it's, like, Pittsburgh in the last one. But it's, like, it, it never really felt like, you know, Gotham City was, like, you know, a you know fantastical world, like it, you know, is in the comic book pages. But this, I thought, did a very good job of, like, being both, had one foot planted in reality, but also being, like, a place where, you know fantastical things could happen like there could be a a guy that looks like a penguin that runs a club and a guy that dresses up a bat and punches you know people that dress up 
like clowns and stuff. Yeah, to, to use a cliche term, turn of phrase, Gotham City is a character in and of itself. I mean, they really created that that world of like, even it's 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 interesting because I know this. I might be going like a little bit off the rails with this, or maybe I'm not. But it really reminds me. Once I think about it, the Gotham world in this movie reminds me most of the Arkham games, mm-hmm. like the darkness, the the weather all the time. Well, yeah, the fact that even, it's raining constantly. Yeah, it's raining constantly. <laughs> the lighting, like it really reminds. Like I feel like they were they must have referenced a lot of that like art from mm-hmm. the game because it's just like it has like even when I when I I was in the middle of watching I was like wow this looks like a like when I'm when I've played Arkham before or I played Batman Arkham and it was just very interesting to see those kind of like similarities yeah I, I, yeah it's a good thing they didn't leave in all the the Riddler trophies though yeah. <laughs> it been even longer yeah. it would have been um yeah so we've been talking a lot about how this is like a dark movie a grimy movie a noirish movie uh but I also thought it was kind of funny <laughs> in like a very deadpan way. Just the way that the way Batman first goes to the iceberg lounge where he basically knocks on the door and just like, hey, I want to see the penguin. And they're just kind of like, wait here. And they have to like leave. Like the idea of Batman just like walking up to a place and be like, hey, can I talk to the penguin? I actually found incredibly funny. <laughs> um, and also just like, I, I think that uh, you obviously had that scene with... Um, uh, where they're interrogating the penguin, he and Gordon, and penguin just kind of like heckling them throughout, like making fun of their Spanish. You know, just a little joke about like you know people are upset that Batman is touching evidence, but Gordon's like it's okay, he has gloves, things like that. Did anybody mm-hmm. else kind of like pick up on that same sense of humor, or am I just do I just have a weird sense of humor? I know there's been like a debate online about like how this movie doesn't have like jokes. Mm-hmm. and stuff and like as you've said you know it's funny in certain places but you know i didn't really mind either way because i didn't like go in expecting like to for this to be like a light-hearted comedy movie right um so um you know i thought it was funny in places but mostly i just thought you know there was never a point where i thought you know this this tone is inconsistent it didn't like vary too much so it wasn't a problem for me that it wasn't you know a pie in the face banana split <laughs> people fall over comedy um like some people wanted yeah, I didn't, I mean, in in the movie theater, I didn't see, I, I didn't hear, like, you know, that response from jokes like you would expect. But, uh, I mean, I, I I didn't really think it was that funny. <laughs> like, those jokes, like, they, they were, they were like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Like, you know. It yeah, it's nice. like, it's like but, there's funny parts in Seven, but <laughs> yeah. it's not like. I'm not cackling laughing, you know. <laughs> But I do think that they did a good job. They they definitely got did a good job of uh, making certain uh, tweaks of being honest to the real world. And I know it sounds kind of vague, but I'll explain. Uh-huh. Even the car chase where you know Batman's chasing Penguin. Certain things about like him getting in front of traffic. He's stuck in traffic. Like like I, I feel like I don't see that a lot in car chases. Or even there's a scene where the uh, they're like i think in falcone's hub and batman's like fighting him and flash 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 the guy comes out with a camera he comes out with his phone or his camera on his phone and he's using the flashlight from his phone i just don't usually see that and it's like it's actually what would be happening in real life and i like that i like that that they made those small touches you know even like how you said bruce wayne comes to the door 
and he's just like, oh, the guy has to come out. That's the funniest part in the movie. Mm-hmm. When he comes out, he's like, I told you, it's Bruce Wayne. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I think those little moments of like real honest or depict or situations that are true to real world, true to the real world. Yeah. The the other thing that I, I forgot to mention that I found very funny and true the real world was how the Riddler, this criminal mastermind, greets his like murderous Twitch stream with, hey guys, like <laughs> he does like the YouTube, like, hey yeah. guys, thanks for being a part of this community. I really <laughs> that was, that was probably the biggest laugh in my theater. Yeah. That happened. Um, it, but it's like, you know, there's also like, it's, there's like the banality to it is also kind of chilling, right? Well, it's like the first time you just hear him as the Riddler without, like, a voice modifier. Right, yeah. That yeah. I think adds to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I definitely talked to a couple people that were, like, they they kind of missed that Joel Schumacher, like, you know, Batman. And I'm just like, I don't think that Batman is meant for this day and age. It's just not, you know? Yeah. It's it's very it's a very '90s movie when you think about it, just like the color, the the villain. But this is the Batman for today, and it was it was overall a great project. Well, I think it gets to a certain point where if you can't take children to go see a Batman movie, then you're probably doing something wrong. But I mean, I agree with you. There are certainly successful, mm. lighthearted portrayals of Batman that have been very successful, like the Lego Batman movie, and. You know, other cartoons, there's Crypto the Superdog coming out later this year. So, you know, it's just, it's a matter of, you know, picking the audience and then um, trying to, you know, uh, make your film appeal to that audience if you're trying to, you know, get them to see the movie. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind this movie being a little more lighthearted. That said, I mean, as I said, you know, I was kind of dreading it, just seeing the trailer over and over again. And it's just like, we had sort of gotten a serious Batman with the Dark Knight trilogy and so forth. And then the, you know, the Zack Snyder era Batman. So it was kind of like, all right. But, you know, having seen the movie now, I can say, you know, it, it definitely works as its own movie. I enjoyed it very much. So I, I ultimately didn't have a problem with the final product. Yeah. So you, um, Alex, you brought up the, the car chase with the Penguin, which, speaking of realistic, it, it looked like you were driving like from New Jersey to New York is kind of like, that's what that highway reminded <laughs> yeah. me of. <laughs> Literally, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what did we think of that car chase? Which I feel like was kind of sold as like the big, that was teased a lot in the trailer. I know a lot of people on Twitter were talking about how much they loved it. Did every, did, did you guys really enjoy it? I thought it was like, that was fine. Like I, I, like I loved Colin Farrell's commentary throughout it. I loved the way it ended with, you know, him walking out of the, him being the Batman, walking out of the flames sort of towards the Penguin. But I was curious if you guys were as taken with it as everybody else seems to be. Yeah, I, I definitely was. Uh, I thought that that was like the height of the action in the movie. Even just like, I, 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 you know, I look at the reaction to other people in the, the movie theater as well. Like, I felt like that's when people were the most engaged. And like I said, I, that, that car chase was just like, it was really honest about as far as like even the maneuvers that they're using him like actually you know i think that a lot of movies suffer from you know not not enough cars on the road syndrome (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like literally like the whole it's eight o'clock and the whole bridge is empty but it's like literally this is traffic they're going against traffic going going with traffic and all this stuff and even just how Penguin gets boxed in between the trucks. It's just, like, really true to life. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that was a really good uh, good action scene. 
Uh, probably one of the better like car chases of the Batman like film universe. Yeah, I was gonna say it was like one of the more memorable and exciting car chases I've seen in a movie. Um, I can't remember. I, I feel like car chases might be a lost art. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I guess yeah. everyone's flying now. <laughs> um, super costume. But it was definitely a very exciting scene. Uh, my joke for it is that it's the best uh, highway destruction scene since the opening of Final Destination 2. Um, I enjoy it very much. I really like, I don't know if there's like a name for this kind of trope, but like when a bad guy is like, running away because he's like scared to death of the hero i really like enjoy when the you know like the penguins like running away and he's like scared that batman's chasing him and he's like oh thank god he's dead now and then mm. batman like shoots through the flames and stuff and it's just like it's it's so exciting and intense um i really enjoyed it a lot the problem i had was it felt like penguin inadvertently probably like killed a lot of people <laughs> yeah and he, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. doesn't get like arrested mm-hmm he, he doesn't go to jail or anything. They just sort of leave him to, like, waddle away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was like, the only problem I really had with it. Where, where it kind of, you know, it all undermines the fact that you had a car chase in the first place if the penguin just, you know, gets away scot-free. Um, uh, because, like, then, he, then you could just walk up to him later. You didn't need to have a car, full car chase. But, you know, it was a very exciting car chase scene. Yeah. I Did feel- you like it, Mike? I... I liked it. I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I maybe I just have to. Maybe I was thinking too much when I was watching it. I think I, I, I think I have to see it again to sort of like develop a, a, a better opinion. There, it, it didn't. I thought it was fine, and I thought like the introduction of the Batmobile, like the way it kind of like rumbles to life, was like awesome. Like I loved that. It didn't excite me as much as it seems to excite other people. But you know, this could just be a thing where I was maybe like watching it thinking i have to record a podcast later and not watching it just to kind of like let it seep in and enjoy you know it's the double-edged sword of of, of doing podcasts about these kinds of things is that you, you don't always enjoy things in the moment so. is that funny I, to you lewis <laughs> no it's just making me think about studio 666 <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> no i it's yeah it's like maybe if i rewatch that i love it no probably not Probably not. We were too focused on (laughs) so many things. On the formal elements of that. (laughs) Would you guys watch this again in the movie theater? Yeah, that that was the next question I had. Is like, what? Because it's so long. It's like, what? What is like the watchability of this? I I'm worried that if I watch it again too soon, it'll it'll feel tedious. But But, oh, we're we're going. We're everybody's talking about the length on. I feel like every Batman what the last maybe four or five Batmans have been over two and a half hours? Has no, it not? I mean, like, been, people have been noticing that it seems like blockbusters are growing longer and longer to not much of a benefit. Yeah. Hmm. That's a bigger, that's a bigger uh, yeah, topic. I would, I would definitely see this again, though, but you're talking to a guy who watched Batman vs. Superman five times in 2016. <laughs> that's disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you'll see the title turn one day i would watch it again actually i'm actually i kind of want to go see it by myself like i would like to go see it by myself and just like on a weekday and see what you know see if it gets better or worse with the second because i'm a person that saw i mean i was working at the movie theater when dark knight came out and i ended up seeing it like maybe six times um, and it got strong. It, it got stronger with every time, though. It got stronger with every time. I don't know if I could say that with the second time I saw Superman. 
That's fair. I think I think, <laughs> I think part of my issue with the car chase is I keep comparing it mentally to the one from The Dark Knight, which I think is like oh, with the under under the bridge. Yeah, which I think is like probably one of the best action scenes of like the past twenty years. But yeah, um, you know, uh, yeah. I I, I kind of I almost want to bring people in my life who I know who aren't like huge superhero fans to see it because I want to see like what they like. I think of like my dad who like enjoys superhero movies but is not like like he'll watch them but he's, he doesn't like seek them out and doesn't really know a lot about them but like i i would just be so curious like on his like his take like because uh, because you know it, it's not it's kind of atypical in the way it but we as, as we've been talking about throughout this whole thing right it's it's not an action movie it's it's a detective movie and i i think it's a thing it's a movie i want to watch with other people i guess is, is the way i would put it I was going to say, I'm not the world's biggest Batman fan, and, you know, I really, really enjoyed this movie, so mm-hmm. um, I thought, you know, it was just as really, I guess, like, if you tell people that it's, like, this is a superhero movie starring the Batman, then I can see people not liking it so much, but it's just, like, I would present it, it's like, this is a really all-around solid movie, and, you know, I, then I think people might enjoy it more. Yeah, uh, I, I showed my dad the trailer the last time I was uh, home, and he was just like, hmm. This is interesting. He, like, said that. He was like, mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't really... This is from my father, who whose favorite movie is Top Gun. So, <laughs> you know, for him to, like, actually, like, kind of be like, hmm, that's interesting, it definitely perked my ears up a little bit. And it was like, it, it, it definitely let me know that they're kind of... They're going in the right direction of doing something different, you know? Yeah. Um, you could have easily, you know, done the... The comic book action, you know, true PG thirteen movie, da da, you know, but they did something different. So, as I was watching this, I thought about something I hadn't thought of in, in a little while, which is: Are either of you familiar with, with with Cinema Score? Yes. Okay, so for f- people who don't know, Cinema Score is this like market research firm that um, asks audiences to give a letter grade to the movies they watch. Um, and then kind of tries to for- forecast like box office receipts and things like that. And I, I, I was watching this and I was like, because it was so different, I was like, I could see this absolutely bombing at cinema score, right? And to bomb at cinema score, like if you get a C, that's considered pretty bad. Yeah, you, uh, should, you usually want like an A. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. No, uh, I, I didn't mean that. I mean, you usually want an A. You usually don't want it to fall to like a B. Or right, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but can you guys guess what the cinema score for the Batman was? Was it an A? B plus. It was an A minus. Wow. Yeah. So people like, liked it. Win? <laughs> people, people liked, liked it. it. Yeah. So we, we talked about the, this 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 car chase scene. Let's also talk about what I think is in, it's for some people the um, controversial in the sense that I don't think everybody liked it. The the climax of this movie, right? Which is basically what happens. We're doing spoilers here, by the way. You, you know, whatever. You'll have to deal with it. But what happens is the Riddler plants bombs around the seawall surrounding gotham it causes the city to flood it causes people to flee and seek shelter in gotham square garden or whatever their version of mass square garden cleverly named <laughs> gotham square Garden. yeah <laughs> um where mayor-elect bella real is giving her victory speech and where a bunch of riddler copycats are hiding in the rafters waiting to assassinate her and kill everybody else there and then batman swoops in and and, and, and tussles with them and and it's a whole thing did 
did you guys like that action scene? Did you think it was satisfying? Did did you think it kind of did it take you out? Did it feel a little too removed from what the rest was going on in the movie, um, or or was it okay? Um, I understand it to give that big climax, but I think that you know there were parts of it that were broken, right? Like Barry Al just randomly like she goes out on the podium in the middle of all this stuff going on, thinking that she's going to stop it. While it's flooding, people are shooting, and she thinks that she's going to stop it, and, you know, she gets shot. I thought that was always, I thought that was kind of, that was kind of a hole in the in the climax, but, and also I'm getting tired of the, the trope of, like, oh, the, the radicalized internet people come in real life, like, I get that it's an illusion to real life, but let's let's put that illusion or let's put that reference down for like the next three years. It's it's already happening enough in real life. It's like we've already had it with Bane. We've already had it. You know, I understand it's a, it's a it's an easy way to do it with the Riddler, but let's put that down and do something else. You know, but the actual action of it, the actual flow of it, I liked it. You know, I think that the ending of that whole sequence could have been a little bit better. It was kind of ambiguous. To, I feel like some of the audience. So, but what did you think about Lewis? Um, I liked it. I, the only thing I was upset <laughs> by was that it was in the trailer, uh, the whole Gotham flooding <laughs> and stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I wish I could have seen it. You know, I wish I could have had, you know, the experience. Maybe I would feel differently about it instead of, you know, sort of expecting it. I, I'm just curious because you mentioned what, what was ambiguous, Alex? I did, I knew what was going on, but I felt like. A lot of like the people in the audience that I saw, they were like kind of like, hmm, like this is like, oh, it's been fixed, but yeah, the like even I heard somebody over like I overheard somebody saying like, so it's flooded, so what's going on? And I heard somebody else say like, what's going on? And this was pretty. I mean, this was an Alamo draft house, so this is pretty, you know, yeah, they should pretty be good audience. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're gonna get kicked out. <laughs> But um, but it, I, I definitely felt that sense of the audience that wasn't maybe it wasn't wrapped in a nice bow, you know. It was like, oh, you know, the National Guard is coming. Gotham is half of Gotham, or like a big portion of Gotham is underwater. Um, but I thought that that that's where I mean, like, kind of ambiguous for some of the audience. Okay. Um, well, that's not really so much. You, yeah, they, they, it was losing the audience more than it was ambiguous. Yeah, um, maybe that's why I should have used it. Maybe it was losing the audience a little bit. No, I I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was, you know, uh, it was exciting because, you know, they've captured the Riddler, but then everyone dressed up at the Riddler, so it was an exciting way for, like, Batman to sort of have a fight scene with the Riddler, but not really. I like that it was just, like, just, the, you know, people with guns were the problem. I like sort of the ending with, Batman in the water, you know, realizing that he might have to change his ways and become sort of a new symbol and then helping, you know, the people get out of the water. I don't know. I really I really liked it. I didn't really have too much of a problem. I was I was I'll be fair and say I was beginning to feel sort of the length a bit during that part of it, but you know, I ultimately really didn't have a, a big problem with it. Um, I really like movies though where they start small and then they get big at the end. Using mm. you can use sort of like Ghostbusters as an example that starts really small. Like <laughs> the fate of the universe yeah, is at yeah, stake yeah, at the very yeah. end because you know I, I like feeling like uh, when you watch a movie that you actually like went on an amazing journey, um, and you know 
it's kind of boring sometimes when movies just stay stay small the whole way through. So I liked it. So that's what I have to say about it. Do you think that that shot of when Batman's in the water with the the uh, what do they the call flare? it? Um, yeah, the flare. I thought that that was a pretty iconic shot when they brought him up and they kind of pan up. I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty dope. I thought that was like the best shot in probably one of the best shots in the movie. Did you did you like it, Mike? Did you like uh, the reprise of the Nirvana song? <laughs> I, um, I, I I enjoyed the scene at the garden. You know, I, I thought it, I thought it was well done. It reminded me a bit of um, what's that movie? The Manchurian Candidate. I guess just because uh, it's, it's about an assassination attempt. Yeah. yeah. Good, good pull, Mike. Good pull. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was like I, I thought it was like a legitimately like kind of terrifying scenario, right? I partly because it felt like something that could happen, right? <laughs> sort of a dude in a mask with a gun at a crowded place is something that's happened, unfortunately, a lot recently. And yeah, like you, like the scene with the flare, obviously great. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was well done. Um, the Gotham flooding thing felt maybe a little over the top, but I thought it was fine. Um, the reprise of something in the way, I, they could have picked a different song. <laughs> but but I enjoyed sort of the, I enjoyed the reintroduction of the voiceover and then the conclusion that he has to, he can't just be vengeance. He also has to be hope. I thought was well done. So speaking of the way this movie ended, we, one of the final scenes takes place in Arkham Asylum where the Riddler is locked up and he has a conversation with the guy in the cell next to him and is revealed through many allusions to clowns that this guy is very obviously the Joker. He's played by Barry Keoghan what do we think of them introducing the Joker to this world and possibly in the sequel? Did did we like? Did we think that scene was necessary? And are we excited for what it? Uh, it, uh, it you don't know to? it's the Joker, Mike. It could be the ventriloquist. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's so many villains that you could choose from in the Batman universe that I haven't been tapped in. Like I thought they were going to kind of. They, I think they kind of alluded to the movies like the Owls. And I, I thought I, maybe they'll have that in the sequel, but um, I think that they could work with that. But I don't want to see another Joker. I, I feel like Joaquin Phoenix carved out a special, special version of Joker that I just want to see that version for right now. You know, um, I mean, obviously, you know, we had Jared Leto. <laughs> I'm assuming that you guys didn't like it. <laughs> Uh, not, not a huge fan. <laughs> not a yeah. Well, Mike, Mike has a personal grudge about Jared Leto going back way before he was the Joker. Yeah, I just think he's annoying. Seconds, Thirty seconds to Mars days. Yeah, that was Mike's <laughs> band originally. <laughs> came in, and stole it. And, you know, as someone, I've been saying the whole line. I've been praising this movie as sort of a standalone experience. I I did not very much enjoy. You know, sequel tease. You know, here's character. You know, Blorky's back, everybody. Clap for Blorky. I didn't really enjoy <laughs> seeing that. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, there's been an overabundance of the Joker. You know, I think a lot of people can agree. You know, there's plenty of other Batman villains that'll be interesting. Like, I've been one who's like, I want to see a movie with the Riddler and the Penguin and stuff and stuff. And now we've, we've gotten it. And it's a little disheartening that, you know, um, if they decide to make an, another movie to go back to Joker, but it's also just a little disheartening that it's like they 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 can't help themselves. Like someone at Warner Brothers is like, you have to put the Joker in this movie. I swear to God, we're not going to get that A minus cinema score unless the Joker is <laughs> in this movie. Um, so it's a little disheartening. I feel like it's it. 
I it's like a prime candidate for like a deleted scene. Um, I yeah. can understand why it's there to just sort of break up Batman in the water to the scene at the end with Catwoman at the graveyard, but I would have rather not not seen it at all. And I'm also just thinking, like, what is that security guard, like, watching the two of them doing? Like, I feel like he should be breaking it up instead of just like, oh, gee, look at these guys clowning around. Yeah, I think that was a, that's a good, that's a good take. I definitely think it should have been, like, a deleted scene. It just... Or it should have been the ventriloquist. Yeah, I would have loved it if it was like, the ventriloquist. Uh, it, but you know what? I mean, the ventriloquist is a great, a great villain. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine that in that universe. <laughs> It'd be cool. Uh, he, but, he, um, he could start out as an act at the Iceberg Lounge. It'd be great. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and then he starts to t- slowly turn crazy with yeah. his act. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, get this man a riding gig. <laughs> but um, I also wonder if this has to do with just the overall, you know, way they want to take the the sequel. I mean, I think I heard something that the Joker action figure during the Dark Knight times was a bigger seller than Batman. So I wonder if, like, certain statistics like that, like, drive their decision to be like, oh, we're going to get the Joker again. And, but it's just so many, like, I, I think that they could be, they could do, like, a cool Mr. Freeze in this universe. <laughs> I know it sounds, I, I, I think they could do a cool Mr. Freeze. And Well, I was just laughing at the pun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> somebody, somebody mentioned, uh, who was, uh, the guy from Kingsman, the black guy from Kingsman, somebody supposed, somebody said that he would be a great Mr. Freeze in this universe. And I thought that would, that would be kind of interesting, but yeah, I, I would like to see them tap into the, the, the ventriloquist. Stop using the damn Joker. Stop <laughs> using the damn Joker. Just be a little bit more creative. Yeah. I think it's safe to say we've reached uh, Joker saturation. But that's probably why they keep using him, too, is I think he... I think in a way, like, yeah, I think Joker in many ways is more popular than Batman right now. Um, yeah. Which, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of, like, uh, sequel teases, did any of you stay for after the credits? <laughs> no. The Usher told me there's no, I, <laughs> no post-credits scene. I, <laughs> Like what? Could you imagine? Like after you watch the scene with the Riddler and the Joker, it's like you still want more. It's like what? What is wrong with you people? Like they think like that it's gonna show like the Earth and the anti monitors go like right. slowly creep towards. No, I I left. I I stayed, um, and I thought it was, it was cool. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> that what? That the, the how like because well there is there is like a scene but it's just like. Oh, is there? I didn't. I didn't see it. What yeah, it? it's it's just like the um, you know how there's like the black stream of the green text that the the Riddler was communicating through. Oh yeah. It just like that shows up with like the question mark for like a few seconds and then just goes dark. Oh 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 okay. <laughs> I thought it was like a real no. Real um and like I like lots of people like I laughed like when that happened because it it felt like a. It just felt like a you want you want a post credit scene. Here's your fucking post credit scene type. <laughs> yeah. You know. I feel like the Peter Griffin meme should come with what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I think we've been talking for almost an hour now. We, we've done a lot yeah, of we, ins and outs. We barely yeah. even. We didn't even really talk about Catwoman. <laughs> I know. Do, do we have like I, I don't know that I have a whole lot to add about Catwoman. I I, I think you know Zoe Kravitz did a good job. 
I'm excited to see her do it again. I think she's she's the best Catwoman out of any. Yeah, yeah, know, I would agree. Better yeah. than Michelle Pfeiffer. Better than Anne Hathaway. Certainly, you know, Anne Hathaway. Probably yeah. the best. Better than Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt, and the other one, Julie Newmar. <laughs> Julie Newmar. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, it's pretty. I, I think they gave her a, a unique like place in the plot. Like they actually had gave Catwoman like depth. I feel like I haven't seen that. I didn't really see that with the Batman Returns. Like, I mean, yeah, she was sexy and had this like great like persona of as the cat woman but she was just like her as a regular person wasn't anybody she was just like a lonely assistant and then this cat woman she's involved she's involved deeply involved as we find out later in the movie with all these different parts of the plot and uh yeah uh she did a great job yeah i i think it did the whole you know because like in batman returns and in like the 60s batman like she's a, like pretty much a clear-cut villain whereas yeah in this and in the dark knight rises but more so in this she's like a sort of like adversary slash partner of batman and you know that that kind of ambiguous relationship they play up more and i like that you know she she had some cat puns right you know yeah because <laughs> uh, like anne hathaway she's just like a cat burglar with like a mask that looks kind of like ears right yeah but like zoe kravitz has a thing about strays and she has nine lives you know i, I yeah. think uh I think it was done well. So yeah, let's let's do what we what we've kind of started doing whenever we're talking about a movie or TV show or something. Um, talk about the highlights and lowlights of what we watch. So let's start off with uh, the highlights. What what do you, what was like your your high point about this movie? Like I, either a moment of the plot or just like an element of the movie that 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 like I said was the highlight that you really enjoyed. The transformation of Colin Farrell. <laughs> Uh, that was that was definitely a high point. The world, them taking a, a different perspective with Batman and taking it somewhere it's never been before, that was the high point for me. Like them actually having the balls to like, hey, we're going to do something off the beaten path. I think that that was probably one of the the things that I really like, kind of hung my hat on with this movie. Something that I really liked. I'll just say. I, I really like the way Robert Pattinson performed as Batman. I just, I don't know, there was something really captivating and interesting about it. And, you know, I'm not someone who who likes to talk about acting a lot because I'm not an actor and, and stuff. So, But I, I just thought his performance was really interesting as Batman. Yeah, I, um, just because it's something we haven't talked about yet, but it's something that I really enjoyed. The score was awesome. <laughs> Like that, like that, like funeral march theme they use for Batman that is also used a lot in the trailer. I thought was incredible, and like I actually went home and listened to that selection on Spotify for a little bit after I watched this movie. Yeah. Like I feel like that's destined to be like an iconic, an iconic theme. Well, it's funny the yeah. way that the movie was delayed because of COVID, and they had like released the trailer super early. That it's like the Batman theme itself had already become like a memorable theme associated with batman so it's like it was weird how you know you instantly recognize it as like batman yeah um and what, what about what about low lights uh the low light for me apart from stuff we might have already talked about is the whole uh uh alfred dead but not really whole mm. thing i thought that was kind of a cheap ploy 
to sort of play that card because the movie really sort of doesn't do like they here's something and then they like reverse it immediately but the whole way they do like alfred's you know almost death at the hands of the riddler i thought that was kind of you know not fair and i don't know it didn't really lead to anything all that interesting i'll i'll probably say that they could have i think my one of my low points was Robert Pattinson's range as Batman. I think he could have done a better job at that. Um, that could have probably would have gotten me sold even on the even on the movie even more. And I think the whole spectacle of the Riddler blowing up the the dams felt a little bit reachy, but it 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 created a great you know um, a great set piece. So. But I, I think Robert Pattinson's range as Batman was probably the thing that I'd probably say is a low light. All right, yeah, I think... I don't know. I didn't have, like, too many Lloyds. There were some shots where it seemed like they just kind of made it, like, blurry for no reason that I thought was kind of annoying. <laughs> and it just kind of felt like they were trying to gild the lily at that point. And I guess, yeah, honestly, like, the Nirvana reprise. Like, I didn't need to hear that song again. <laughs> Like, pick, pick a better Nirvana song. Pick Drain You, you know? Pick Polly. Pick something yeah. better. But all right, I, I think that does it for our discussion of the Batman. Um, it wasn't quite three hours, but it was close. No, it wasn't really that close. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks thanks for, for joining me. Um, my name is Mike Levito. You can find my writing on the poster. Or you can find me on Twitter, at Levito and Letterboxd at Ameramike. Do either of you guys want to say where people can find you? Yeah, I'm Lewis Ryan. You can find my work on thepostwriter.com. I'm on Twitter at the Lewis Ryan, and the same on Letterbox.com. Yeah, you can find me um, as a contributor on the Postwriter, and uh, you can you can reach out to me on Instagram. Everything's a racket. All right. Uh, thanks so much for listening. You can follow the Pony Express anywhere you can find podcasts, and you can look us up on our website, thepostwriter.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Batman. And we will see you next time on the Pony Express. It is bracket season. And to celebrate, the Post Rider is a brand new podcast they'll do for political junkies what the NCAA tournament does for sports fans. That's right, everyone. It's called Floor Fight. And each season, we'll be creating a bracket that pits political figures and topics against each other until we end up with an ultimate winner. It's like a contested convention if a contested convention was held between two guys in a Google Hangout with too much time on their hands. For our first season, we seeded 72 losing presidential candidates for a tournament of the also-ran so we can finally answer the question, who was the greatest president we never had? It's the perfect show for anyone who ever wondered what would happen if Dewey really did defeat Truman or if Palm Beach County didn't use a butterfly ballot in 2000. And the best part is you can check out the seeds and prepare for the plans now at thepostwriter.com slash floor fight. See every candidate, who they'll match off against at the play-in and first rounds, and let us know on Twitter, at thepostwriter, who you think should win. And if those references to Dewey and Truman and Palm Beach County meant anything to you, then subscribe to Floor Fight, premiering March 1st. It's available everywhere you can find podcasts and, of course, on thepostwriter.com.